Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, Thanksgiving week is upon us. Yes. Um, so that means football with only three, with only two days without football. And plus, there's going to be Friday football. I was going to say, plus Black Friday football. We got everything this week. Oh, mom's not going to be happy about football being on an extra day this week. <laughs> I know, right? And we got a Thanksgiving matchup coming up for the Packers, Packers-Lions. Hopefully, it won't be as bad as the last one, or a lot of people's Thanksgivings are going to be ruined. <laughs> uh, we're going to hope for the best, but that is not what we are here to talk about today, listeners. We are still here to break down the Chargers game before we preview the game against the Lions later this week, but let's at least stay in this moment, because the Packers got a win, Dad. They got a win against a pretty decent opponent in the Chargers. Now, we'll talk all about whether it was more about the Packers winning or the Chargers losing. But anyway, it's still in the win column uh, for... <laughs> what were you going to say? It, 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 in the sands of history, nobody's going to remember how the Chargers chargered this game. Yes, but they'll definitely still remember the game, I'm sure. <laughs> this game will certainly be remembered, just not how it was won or lost. But right. anyway, in this game... Packers win 23-20 to on a late fourth quarter drive from Jordan Love to take the lead with a touchdown pass to Romeo Dobbs down the left sideline. What a play. What a game. Really good game from Jordan Love, which we'll be talking all about. But, Dad, just feels good to get back in the win column. Packers are 4-6. and six, And don't look now, but they are technically an eighth in the NFC. We're only one spot out of the playoffs. I saw that. It's like, and we're only one game back in the loss column after the Vikings lost. Is that? I thought we were two games back in the lost column. Still, is it one? Oh, because right, because they're six and five. They haven't had their buy yet. Oh, yeah. that's that's very interesting. Well, we one back in the lost column. I know. Is it crazy? Very interesting. Doesn't really feel but, like that should be the case. No, it doesn't. I also want to give a shout out that we were both very close with our predictions. You know, I had I had the Packers score rate right twenty three, and you're only one point off on each score. Yeah, I had so, twenty four, twenty one, and twenty three, twenty. You know, make an extra point here or there. I, I could have had it right. You know, we were almost there. But anyway. And uh, who, do, you know, listeners might say, how come you never talk about this in any of the other post games? You know, we'll talk about the ones we want to talk about. Yeah. We're awesome. Up, that's up to us. That's our <laughs> that's discretion. That's the discretion of the podcaster. Yes. And we have so much to talk about from this game because I think there was a lot of good to be taken out of this game, especially on the offensive side of the football, defensive side of the football. Maybe not so much, but they were a little outmatched in this one. But, Dad, before we get into any of that, just wanted to pitch a couple of things. If you like what you hear today, come give us a follow on Twitter at FatherSonPacker. We tweet out when we have articles we find interesting. We tweet out when we have new episodes out. Uh, we tweet out pieces of statistics that we find interesting from our research for these episodes. Piece of Packers news, Packers videos, etc., etc., etc. One-stop shopping for everything Titletown. You can keep up with the pack there. Once again, that's at Father Son Packer. And then subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We'd even, we even put all our episodes out on YouTube. Uh, you can subscribe to us there. It would really help our numbers. But Dad, before we get into the meat of this game, as we are breaking this down Monday night, uh, a little bit of Packers news. Uh, some roster moves for this upcoming game against the Lions on Thursday. Uh, two moves. First is that Packers are signing running back James Robinson to the practice squad, releasing Christian Young. The next is that the Packers have signed Patrick Taylor to the active roster from the Patriots practice squad and are cutting Dolan Levitt, a longtime special teamer the past couple of years with the Packers. Heavy amount of special team snaps for him are going to be going out the door. He hasn't exactly been great in his time in Green Bay, but that is going to be something to keep an eye on who fills those spots. Zane Anderson's been playing pretty well on special teams, so I'd imagine it's going to be him. But something I've to keep heard an some eye speculation that people thought, well, actually, he, since he's playing kind of well, then he'll take made it easier to get um, let let it go. And signing Patrick Taylor kind of made the most sense out of the options that were out there. Oh, a hundred percent. Because we'll talk about in this game as we go over the injury report next. Packers lost a few running backs in this one. And then, Dad, the last bit of Packers news in this one is that they are designating Darnell Savage to return from IR. Uh, so possibly going to have him back for Thursday. Uh, but we'll see. That's we'll see a if they're the willing air. to do that. Uh, kind of depends on just how ready he already was before yeah. they designated him. Yeah, Basically, it's, he'd have to already be ready um, today um, yeah. to play on Thursday. Exactly. But that's just something to keep an eye on. But like we already said, though, Dad, let's move on next to the injury update because this was a pretty tough day for injuries was, from both teams. It was a rough teams. day. Yeah. Uh, people getting hurt all up and down the field. I'm just going to read them off. 
Like we already said, Packers have added two running backs, uh, Patrick Taylor to the regular roster and James Robinson to the practice squad. And that is because the Packers sustained two running back injuries in this one. The first of which was Aaron Jones with a knee injury. Looked worse on the field than it ended up being, it sounds like. Post-game reports were that it was not an ACL. We're still waiting for results from the MRI, but it sounds like mostly good news for Jones. Uh, According to LaFleur after the game, he didn't think it was serious and Jones was in good spirits. And then the other running back injury was Emmanuel Wilson, who dislocated his shoulder, it sounded like. Uh, It sounded like the x-rays were negative there. uh, So nothing super long-term, but probably not going to be available either one of them to play this week. And that's why those running back additions were so yeah. paramount to yeah, have. On a short week, with only three days off. I mean, yeah, they might have popped Wilson's shoulder back in, but I don't think he's going to be ready to take a hit on it in just three days. Yeah, and this was, I mean, they were talking about maybe having DeGuara line, line up at running back at times, but DeGuara got injured as well. He had a hip injury. Um, beyond that, Musgrave left and came back in. We'll be talking all about the injury report for the game later in this week and just seeing how that progresses. Nixon sprained an ankle and came back in. Campbell left with a neck injury. uh, And Dontavian Wicks uh, was in concussion protocol after the game. So a lot of different players that are in danger. I didn't didn't see where that that happened. I think they also said he had another injury as well. Was it a knee? Uh, I believe it was also an addition addition to the concussion in the knee. I believe the concussion happened on his big run. Like his big run after catch, that is. uh, The one where he caught it like about seven yards downfield. They're defender missed the tackle and he ran for like another 25 is where i saw it reported as being i i didn't see on video where it happened but that was the what the reporting was that i had read um but dad that's it for the injury report we're obviously going to have more as the week goes with this game coming up on thursday uh to talk about injury wise so that's why we're not diving as deeply into it as we might normally do because we're going to have more information in a couple of days that'll kind of outdate anything we could talk about here but dad any thoughts on these i thought you know we're going to talk about it in a second. AJ Dillon's like raw line of rushing. It's not very good, but I actually thought he played really well in this game. Personally, uh, I know he only averaged like two yards a carry, but I'll explain that how I why I felt he played well later. Uh, Dad, anything else on the injury report, or do you want to move on to the meat of our game breakdown? Um, we can move on to the meat of the breakdown. I mean, we had bad injuries. They had bad injuries. Bosa went out early. Um, yeah, for them, it was it was pretty rough. It was it was yeah it was definitely rough for both teams. Uh, just one of those days, you know, week 11, kind of getting into the, the dog days of the season. But, Dad, let's go to the meat of the breakdown, like you said. Biggest moment of the game, uh, we do this by ESPN win probability swing, so kind of something more objective. And in this one, Dad, it's exactly what you think it would be. It was the touchdown throw from Jordan Love to Romeo Dobbs. This was the biggest play of the game, with 233 left in the game to take it from a 64.4% chance of the Chargers winning uh, they initially they had the lead at the time, twenty to sixteen, and it made it twenty three to twenty Packers, which swung it all the way to a seventy one percent chance of the Packers winning, which swung the win probability thirty five point four percent, which was you know difference in score in the game and difference in who was favored to win at that point. And obviously, the biggest play of the game, whether you're going by the numbers or whether you're just watching the game, is a go ahead touchdown score in the fourth quarter. Numbers reflect that. But if we just want to talk about it for a second, I mean, what a play from Dobbs to go back for that ball. And he yes. now is just two touchdowns off the league lead uh, for receiving touchdowns in the league at seven. See that close was seven. Yes, I guess Tyreek I did has, know that. Yeah, he was at six. He was at six. He now has seven, and, and I believe Tyreek Hill is the league leader at nine. So now he is two back from league leader in touchdowns. Not bad. But hey, if you take yeah, out this was this was ahead. I liked this throw. You know, I, I, he it was still maybe slightly underthrown, but he got it there a little earlier. Slightly deeper, so it was over the um, defender's reach, and and Dobbs was able to um, come back and get it. I mean, that's one of those ones you have to have because the Chargers. Have you seen the replay of this, where the Chargers linebacker takes out his own corner, runs full speed into him, and that's why Dobbs is wide open. I guess I did. I see that. I'm not sure if I saw that uh, that replay. Yeah. So if you go find the replay of the all 22 angle, Kenneth Murray runs full speed into the corner who's not like dropping back into quarters for some reason and Romeo Dobbs is just running down the sideline free as a bird and I think if if they had missed that I mean talk about a golden opportunity thank goodness they capitalized on it thank goodness Dobbs made his quarterback right because it wasn't the, it wasn't a perfect throw but it was good enough and and Dobbs came came back for it which is what we've been begging some receivers to do all year and definitely the swinging point in the game but Dad, since we're talking about offense, do you want to go just straight into our offensive breakdown and talk about some things that caught our eye? 
Sure. Let's go. Let's do offense first. Okay. Well, first, a little bit. And so of I guess what, you could start with what they're saying. What, what they're saying. Yeah, exactly. We're going to start off with what they're saying, which is a little quote from the coaching staff or the players each week. Uh, this is per Ryan Wood on Twitter, and this was a Matt Lafleur quote uh, about Jordan Love. Quote: Really proud of Jordan. Just the poise that he showed, the leadership that he showed. He made some big time plays. And Dad, that kind of tr- uh, transitions us into, I think, my biggest overall positive in this one. And that is just the play of Jordan Love overall. He had a r- another really good game, three games in a row, stacking success. I think this was personally his best performance. Yes, it was against a Chargers unit that is not the strongest on defense, but a career-high 322 passing yards, first time over 300, first time for any Packers quarterback over 300 yards in two years. Uh, over two-thirds of his passes completed at 67.5%. We know earlier in the year he was really struggling keeping that completion percentage up, so that's big for him, 27 of 40 on the day. Third highest yards per attempt on the season for him at 8.1. The deep ball also was really... Se- it seems to be coming together a little more for him each week. Uh, he completed two passes over 20 yards and four more between 10 and 20. Uh, passer rating of 109 or better in last three games on passes over 20 yards. Uh, and this is per Zach Jacobson on Twitter, uh, who is in turn referencing PFF. Uh, Jordan Love on throws of 20 plus yards in his last three games is 9 of 15 for 283 yards, two touchdowns, and a 130.3 passer rating. Um, he had the sixth highest EPA per play this week amongst quarterbacks in week 11, and 10th highest completion percentage over expectation amongst quarterbacks in week 11, uh, and fifth in the league. This was before Monday Night Football in composite EPA per play plus completion percentage over expectation. So, just like combining those those stats and essentially weighting them equally um, in week 11 and is seventh over the last three weeks. So like I said earlier, he's really putting together a nice three weeks here. He's stacking successes, which is all we asked for him this year is to like show some more consistency and he's having some high level throws. He still needs to have more down to down consistency, but we're at least seeing some game to game consistency at this point. And I know Chargers defense is not great, but this is what you hope for a quarterback to do against a defense that isn't great. Really carve them up. Throw for over 300 yards. Throw for two touchdowns. Don't make mistakes. Dad, like we've said so many times this year, the biggest thing is how Love plays. What did you think of his performance in this one? I thought, once again, he looked he looked good. I mean, we're, we had a long stretch where he just wasn't making enough big plays. He couldn't complete the downfield throws. And you just can't really live and be competitive, be like a contender, let's say, without getting some um, some big plays. You can't just always grind out 14, 15 play drives successfully. And so uh, there's always this reservation about, is he going to be able to do enough? And the last few weeks, we're seeing more and more of him able to make those throws when they're available. And the thing is, and with so love- that's really encouraging. Well, I was just going to say with Love right now, he doesn't have the best accuracy in the world. And so if you're going to have some misses on short throws, you need to make up for that with hitting like the big throws down the field, which is something he was not doing in the middle portion of the season against teams like the Raiders, the Broncos, the Vikings, etc. And once again, yeah, he was not getting those down for those. The other thing he's doing is he's also this. He had a few like crazy arm angle wrap around defenders throwing on the move throws as well. And crazy running out of the pocket reset, like while running left to throw slightly back to your right in the middle of the field. The one to Wicks uh, from like their own like eight yard line that he hit uh, early. Yeah, and in... I think the what maybe the one to read on the yep. third down conversion was another similar. And just, you know, nice make, throw. Just, Making plays, just making plays the whole game long. And I would say arguably his best game of the year. All that matters is his development for this year. And it's nice to see him kind of, you know, making his way back to a level where I think a lot of Packers fans can feel confident. If he plays like this the rest of the season, he should start again next year. And I think there were question marks about that a few weeks ago. There was a five game stretch where I was like, are we in the running for one of the top two picks? I mean, yeah. I mean, I said on podcast, I was like, "This is the worst team in the in the league right now," and I stand by it because they were playing like the worst team in the league. But this is kind of more what we. It thought. was true. In, it was true in the moment. It was, and maybe a little reactionary, but at the time, I think they were playing like the worst. They would have lost to almost anyone in the league the way they were playing. But this performance from Love, as well as from the young skill players, which I'm going to throw to you in a second to talk about, is more what we had in mind in terms of expectations for this year is like, hey, 
They're not going to be perfect. They're going to lose some close games, but they're going to have promising flashes from a lot of different players. And dad, they had a lot of promising flashes from some of the young pass catchers in this one. Yeah. So that was one of my good thing for the offense or the Wookiee. Wookie. Do they have Wookiees on the team? That'd, that'd be a good tight end. Yeah, Chewbacca I mean, on the we team. need someone to block at this point, <laughs> a little more at least. But rookie wide receivers, not Wookiee ride receivers. Dontavian Wicks just gets open. I mean, that, that's all he has. You know, it's a, it might be a useful skill as a, for, for a pass catcher. He had three catches for 91 yards. Led the team with a ridiculous 6.09 yards per route run. And in yards after the catch per reception, it was 16.3. According to Next Generation Stats, he was second on the week to Brandon Ayuk in yards after catch per reception, overexpected at plus 9.8. So he was he wasn't just like running wild open. He was just getting more, getting even more yak than than would and, be predicted. And I would say just that I do think that is a bit buoyed by that last catch he had where he it really was more about they should have tackled him completely dead stop standstill and he got another like 30 yards out of it and I think he did really well to get like the last 15 yards of that run after catch because I I thought they definitely should have had him at least another 10 yards sooner. But the the initial contact I think is where that over expectation comes because I don't know I don't know what 43 is doing. I believe that's who it was. I don't know how he does not tackle him there. I don't know what happened to him. He just bounced off him well, like he hit a brick wall. I've never I'm so know, confused. That went that that was going both ways. That's you fair. might say. That's fair. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> maybe it was something in the something in the grass out there. But also over the last 3 games, he's averaging 3.8 yards per route run, which would be second in the league if it was for the whole season to Tyreek Hill. Unfortunately, he did have the one drop um Yep. But it was one of the one of the few times where he wasn't like wide open while he was making the making the catch. Yeah. And he, had, he did have it in his hands and he could have could have held it in, but did not. Yeah, he ended the day with three catches for ninety one yards, also drew a pass interference penalty, but he did also have that drop. But I would say, you know, maybe cancel those out. Led the team in receiving yards in this one. But Dad, he was not the only young pass catcher that was dominating nope. out there. He was certainly one of them. But I for my money, I thought Jaden Reed was the most impressive player on the field for the Packers today. What do you think? Yeah, so I have him there as well with not with receptions and rushes. He was second only to Dylan in touches with seven. And if you have like intended touches or whatever with the um, targets, he led the team in targets with six and had three carries. Um, he led the team in rushing yards with only three carries for 46 yards. Um, yeah. And he showed some great bursts um, to get around the corner. And he had the on the week going into Monday night, he had the fastest speed of the week per next gen stats at 21.52 miles per hour. That has to be on that that run along the right side where he runs that on I the think so where he gets run. to the it touchdown to he gets the touchdown. He, he has he has some and he has some good ramp time to get up to full speed gets around the corner. There's good blocking but some of those good blocks I'm not even sure if he needed them. There's he was well, going so fast. There's some good blocking, and there are just some horrible angles taken by specifically Asante Samuel Jr. I watched that replay. I'm like, did he's you think, so I don't late know. getting I, back across? As no, well. he just he just takes like and then he then he gets the then he goes angle I've ever too, seen. He goes towards the line of scrimmage and is just out of the play. Yeah, he's a good player, but I I don't know what he was doing on that play. He's had he's had a bunch of good games. I I kind of liked him coming out. Remember we talked about him as a possible. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, draft target uh maybe a sec i was thinking they might he might be good to get in the second round and maybe that's where he went i don't remember but yeah 46 46 rushing yards for reed 46 receiving yards for reed he had an excellent day uh craft had his biggest play of his career so far almost had a oh. touchdown just a few that's inches in, away that, from that's that's in my things that made us think okay well i i won't sp say too much about else about it um luke musgrave beat derwin james one-on-one -on, -one on an out route for a first down like a big play early in the game uh Beyond that, I mean, just the rookies were really showing out in this one, Dad. Emmanuel Wilson showed some good stuff yeah. before he got hurt, I thought. And yeah, I I the could rookies not be... outshining the second year players. Yes, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think. I I mean, I think Dobbs is having a good year, but we've all we've chronicled Watson's struggles so far this year. I think he can still put it together, and he had a touchdown in this one. But we've chronicled that he's going through a bit of a sophomore slump. Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks are, it seems every week they're making the big, the big play that's the difference in the game or that's keeping them close. 
this seems like every week. I mean, we just saw Jaden Reed last week against the Steelers was probably their best player in that game too, arguably. Um, but yeah, Dad, I had him as I had him as my player of the game last week. Yeah, I'm spoiler alert for this had, one. He's, and he had another good one this week. Is that spoiler alert for this one? He's my player of the game this week, and we'll talk about it later. Ah, I think um, we flipped. I know, right? For <laughs> me, my I had one more positive in this one, and I specifically wanted to call it out because by the raw numbers, AJ Dillon did not have a great game. 14 carries for 29 yards with 2.1 yards of carry actually looks awful. But I actually thought he played well in this game. Um, on the surface, it looks bad. But eight of those 14 carries were deemed as successful carries. Um, a lot of short yardage situations that he had to go out there and get, and he made happen. Uh, that's a 57% success rate. Uh, keep in mind that the best run success rate in the league is the Ravens at 46.7% this year for a whole run offense, that is. So, oh, like, a very successful day for him. Uh, also added on four receptions on four targets for 32 yards and had his fourth highest PFF grade on the year for whatever that's worth, whatever, however much mileage you choose to give that. It's just another piece of data. But I just wanted to shout him out because I think anyone who looks at the box score for this game is like, man, Dylan played terribly. No, I, I think if you actually watch the game, you'll see there were a couple negative runs he had where it's just like he's getting hit five yards in dead to rights in the backfield. It was not blocked up for him. And a lot of the other parts of the game where he they gave him a chance and they needed him to get like two yards to get it on third and one or a few yards to keep them ahead of the sticks. He was constantly churning out positive yards in this game. And I wanted to shout out that I, I thought he played well despite a quiet yeah, day. In the he had some score. good uh, first down conversions. I don't know how many first downs he got in the game. I just watched it, rewatching part of it. And you saw that one of them with like third and two and he got four. Yeah. And, and not well blocked for him. He just powered through people. Yeah. Just, just powering through people. They, um, PFF has him with three first downs on the day. Uh, three first downs. Okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, just generally a very, I would say quiet, but successful day at the offense for a, at the office for AJ Dillon on offense, <laughs> but also um, on the, uh, at the offense, at yes, the offense, at the offense. Dad, did you have any other positives you wanted to know, or do you want to talk about maybe some negatives on the offensive side of the football? Those were my positives. I just, I just stuck to the wide receivers since you had uh, talked about love and Dylan already. And I don't, there are some small, but let's, let's, let's go on to what we, uh, two of the negatives. That we okay. Had. What, what did you have as a negative for the offense? Cause I wouldn't say it wasn't a perfect game. There were definitely some problems up front at times. Yeah. And what I had at, as a negative just kind of fits into what we just talked about that Dylan's game was better than it appeared because the run blocking was not that great. It seemed, it seemed like just watching it to the eye that the O-line was having trouble opening up holes, especially in the middle for running with, room. Like with the added context that this is one of the worst run defenses in the league. I know. And they were not really the run able blocking to do great for the team. Yeah. The run blocking game for the team was below average at for P, per PFF at 56.4, which is like really disappointing since it was the Chargers who were just getting blown off the line last week by the Lions. Um, and the, and the Chargers run D is below average for like half of their games per PFF this year. And they're 24th against the run by DVOA coming in. So yeah. we were both hoping for a more of a get right game for the run. Um, and they just, offense. yeah, I just, and it did, and they just had trouble. Moving in the best runs were were you know read on the outside. Yeah, they had they had rather a, than they couldn't the win inside at all. They were not really moving the line much yeah. at all for the Chargers. And, and Jenkins and Ryan, I'm sorry, Jenkins and Runyon were both below average in run blocking. Both had bad run blocking grades. Myers was a little bit above average. Their best, I think, run blocking grades um, were Tom and um, Nyman. Maybe it's Nyman. I think. Yeah, which is something that... Uh, so so that's not helping run up the middle. No. And that's something that we'll talk about when it's like things that made us think is this line rotation that they're going with. I, I don't... What I've, was going on there? Have you ever seen a team just like rotate tackles, like drive to drive? It's so odd to me. It's so like that they don't... I get why they're doing it because Walker has struggled at times, but Walker's on contract next year and he's younger and Walker's probably a better pass protector, but Nyman's a much better run blocker and Nyman's more experienced. I, it's just a weird, it's a weird situation to be in. And I guess it's, it's more unpredictable than maybe we're giving the Packers credit for because they expected to have Bakhtiari. But at this point it's week 11. It's like, I think we can pick a guy at this point, but I don't know. I, yeah, I have it's someone, also, I, if, I do if you're feel, switching out, um, if you're switching out offensive linemen because you want to run with one and pass with the other, that's not good either. 
It's not great. No, you have half of. It's like, oh, two oh, oh I guess you're gonna run now. Yeah, and, <laughs> I guess you're gonna run now. And it's gonna I, pass I, now. I do feel like not great, like criticizing this decision as someone who had been calling for Nyman to play. Um, I just the rotation is weird to me. I don't know if I, I don't know how I feel about it to be honest. Um, did you have any other negatives though, Dad? Because I also had negatives on the pass blocking side for the Packers. Uh, or did you have anything else you want to say about the run blocking? Um, that was pretty much it. Uh, that sort of the hole they weren't good, and in the middle, particularly, they graded poorly. Yeah, and for, and they were having trouble moving people. When they for me, to. the pass blocking was also a negative in this one. Uh, per PFF, another thirteen pressures allowed, which is tied for third most on the season allowed for the Packers after giving up thirteen just last week as well. Uh, this time though, it was three sacks allowed as opposed to one. And Jordan Love's time to throw was a full 0.3 seconds, 10% shorter than last week. So we thought the the pass blocking was poor last week. It was even worse this week. Uh, Just something to kind of keep in mind that past two weeks, they've been given up a decent amount of pressure. And I think the tackles, if I remember correctly, performed pretty well in this one all the way around. Um, But just on the interior, uh, if I can just double check this really quick, they, they just struggled to keep everything in front of them uh, on the day. Elton allowed two pressures Runyon allowed two pressures. Uh, and then Tom and Walker only allowed one each. Uh, and some of those pressures looked like they were not earned by the offensive line. They were more on just blitzes and um, more about Jordan love. Jordan love did hold the ball longer in this one. I thought at times, and some of those sacks were more on him, but you know, as a time to throw a number on the hole and it's, it's a bit noisy in terms of there are a lot of plays where there isn't pressure and, it's more about they were throwing some more screens out there because I think they didn't necessarily respect the Chargers tackling, I guess, is is a nice way to put it. But I think on the whole, still not a great day from the offensive line in terms of protecting love, although the tackles were better in this game. After Walker gave up five pressures last week and gave up only one this week, I do suppose there's a silver lining there. But on the whole, still still letting some pressure through. Yeah, and so it might be that you know, if you like, the, I was just trying to look up the, like the true pass sets, where it's not like a screen or something else. And yeah, that Runyon did really poorly PFF grade. Nyman wasn't very good. I mean, Walker was much better at pass blocking than Nyman was in this game. Anyway, the person actually who did best for true pass sets was was Walker. Um, yeah, and you know he's been up and down, but this is definitely a better game for him for sure. And I even saw him getting after it a little bit in the run game. He was there was a couple plays where he's running out in space, putting his body on some guys down the field. You like to see it? I see. It surprises me that he's not better as a run blocker because he was a bit of a mauler and liked to push people down and land on them in college. He's got good size too for the position, but I don't know. Maybe you know, it's only his second year in the league. Maybe he just needs a little more functional strength, like Zach Tom did coming into this year. And now we see Tom's just the best at either anything on the line, it seems like right now. Um, Dad, did you have any other negatives on offense or did you want to move to some things that maybe thought us think, made us think, thought us think? Yeah, so one of the things that made us think is a little bit of a negative. Um, if, I, if I could go first. Sure, go ahead. So I didn't like that the very first possession. I didn't like the two calls on third down and fourth down that ended that first drive. They are moving the ball okay. They got almost, Dylan was just barely short of the first down. On, on second down, and then they decide not to go for the tush push on third and, and one or a, a short one, and they lost yardage, so it became harder. And then they pass it to Musgrave out in the flat and ask him to then turn up field and run and break a tackle with a guy on him, which is like his l- least effective um, skill. It's not skill. his skill. Yeah. Um, so it's the weakest part of his game. So I felt like those were just bad play calls for the situation to try to get that first down. I think they could have gotten it more easily if with just some better play calling. Yeah. And um, so that was sort of, that was a, that was both a negative and a thing that made me think it's like, Oh, I, can you please start making calls that fit the abilities of your players? Yeah. And something that made me think, which I, I kind of piggybacked off of your play calling thing is I wasn't a big fan of not throwing on third down on the last drive. Um, on third and six, they ran up the middle for two yards to force the Chargers to use their last timeout. I thought they should have thrown and tried to put the game away entirely, especially in only a three-point game. Um, and according to Ryan Wood on Twitter, Matt LaFleur agreed. Matt LaFleur uh, called the conservative play calling at the end. Uh, he said he was embarrassed by it, the quote, quote around the word embarrassed. 
Um, he said that they sent a run call on third and six, uh, and they wanted it changed at the line of scrimmage if that run call wasn't there. Uh, it wasn't there, the, the run look, that is. Um, but LaFleur deemed it a, quote, bad situation, end quote, for Love, uh, and didn't think it was fair to ask him to like pivot to a pass play on third and six with a minute and a half left and one timeout left for the opponent. Uh, and Matt LaFleur thought that the Packers should have called the timeout there, and he pretty much gave the mea culpa. But that was something that I wanted. I also wanted a way to include that quote in there because I thought it was interesting that Matt LaFleur wishes he had been more aggressive there. I also wish Matt LaFleur had been more aggressive there because, honestly, if you had told me that that Justin Herbert was going to have the ball at the 25 like with a timeout left in a minute 20 seconds, I'd be like, yeah, he's he's going to get a field goal. Like, and he should have, he should have had a field goal, which we'll talk about when we talk about the defense. Like the Packers got bailed out again by a drop by a Chargers receiver. But yeah, so that was something that made me think I was like, why are we not just trying to put this away here? Let's play to win. Let's not play to not lose. But yeah, I just wanted to be able to include that quote there. Dad, anything else on the offense or do you want to move over to the defensive side of the football? So the other thing I just think was, was, was the, the craft uh, run after the catch that we were talking about where he, you know, breaks a tackle, hurdles a defender and runs to the end zone, makes a Lambo leap, even though it wasn't actually a touchdown. <laughs> he got his Lambo leap in. He was um, this his, close. His, his cleats hit the, hit the white, but just see him able to run through tackles, keep his balance after, after getting hit and jump over people's like all the stuff that we could see on tape in college that yeah. you don't ever see from Musgrave. Yeah. And I was like, and it's not even a shot of Musgrave. Like, like, I want to see, well, I want to see Kraft play more yeah, and, and uh, sh- show what he can do. It's like, okay, we've been waiting. We've been waiting and waiting. Well, I think see early, kind of early in the season, Kraft was like missing assignments to the point well, where it's say, like. He wasn't, he wasn't ready. We've been no, waiting. Yes. We've been waiting for this because he wasn't ready yet. And yeah. now it's like, ooh, maybe he's ready. We'll start seeing some of these plays. And he was blocking well last week. Uh, if I, I believe it was last week. Yeah, on the Dylan 40-yard run last week against Pittsburgh. Kraft kind of blows that open with a with a crack block inside. But yeah, I think it's exciting from him. That play, I feel like gets a free like 10 to 15 yards against the Packers every time when the tight end comes across the formation and then leaks out into the flat and just turns up field. If we could just start spamming that ourselves, I think that would be excellent. I would love that. But Dad, I, I totally agree. I'm excited to see more Tucker Kraft. It seems like he is kind of more firmly established himself as that number two tight end now. Uh, yes, I think he's starting to earn more snaps. Yeah, definitely. But let's move on to the defensive side of the football, Dad, where things were okay. Uh, this is what they're saying. Uh, Matt LaFleur, specifically on the late-game defenses per Matt Schneiman of The Athletic on Twitter, quote, I've got to give Joe Barry, that is, a ton of credit. He was playing some single safety there, which I don't think a lot of people would, but that's the style of quarterback you're going against. If you have a lot of softness in your coverage, he's going to make you pay, end quote. Dad, what are your thoughts on that quote about Joe Barry from Matt LaFleur? Um, I, I take it that the softness in coverage apparently only applies at end of game when the, the opposing quarterback <laughs> can take advantage of it. I, I guess that's just something that the rest of the game is totally fine he's to gonna, run. It's okay for the, to let him make you pay the rest of the game? And this is, that was mostly a joke because I do think Barry has been better about that recently, especially considering the fact that he's down to like third and fourth and fifth stringers in the secondary. So I'm not even doing this to clown on Barry. I thought Barry called an okay game. It wasn't great. Uh, it was better last week against Pittsburgh. I think he just got kind of bailed out by some Chargers mistakes in this one. But at the same time, he's not playing with a full deck. He is playing with seven. He's playing meta, maybe that a metaphor. Can be, that can be taken lots of ways. I meant personnel wise. He's playing with mostly two two seventh round picks, an undrafted guy, and a kind of journeyman free agent like special teamer on his back end right now. Which I don't think anyone would have a particularly large amount of success against Justin Herbert. I don't think any coordinators doing a whole lot with that. So I. I do want to add that as a caveat to all that we're talking about. At the same time, though, Dad, definitely some some pluses and some negatives in this one. What do you want to start with? Pluses, positives, or negatives in this one for the defense? Let's start with the negatives. Okay, let's start well, with the negatives. Then it was something good um, on a victory victory Monday. Okay, well, let's start with the negatives in this one. I don't mind leading us off. Uh, 
the main negative that I had was that the pass defense wasn't great, I guess. But like I said, the caveat that they're they're dealing with some injuries on the back end and you know just some just some not ideal depth overall. Uh, Justin Herbert on the day was 21 of 36 for 260 yards and two touchdowns. I think if you told anyone coming into the game that that would be his box score leaving the game, everyone would be like, wow, defense did a really good job, all things considered. Um, not necessarily the case if you watch the game. The Chargers had six different drops in this game. And if you just gave him the four like most basic, most egregious drops, I'm talking the Don Parham one on fourth down early. I am talking the two Keenan Allen ones, one of which would have been a touchdown. And I'm talking the Quentin Johnson one at the end. Uh, that would have actually, he would have ended up being 25 of 36 for 324 yards and three touchdowns. And there were still two more drops beyond that. I mean, it was just a really rough day with the sun. Just the sun was in the Chargers receivers eyes all day, apparently. Um, overall PFF, like I said, had the Chargers with six drops. Uh, and even despite that, without any of the funky math of like adding in what those drop yardage would have been. Uh, Herbert still had the high, the eighth highest EPA per play amongst quarterbacks in week 11 and had an elite 92 PFF grade, which is just like off the charts insane. And like I said, I get that Herbert carves a lot of people up, but it was pretty free out there. Uh, 10 catches for over a hundred yards for Keenan Allen. And he should have had another touchdown and another handful of yards, but he just dropped ones that hit him right in the chest. Uh, yeah, I didn't like hit, they hit his, hit his, hit his, uh, numbers so hard. It bounced off of his pads. Yeah. Did Especially you see the this? one at the goal line? There's a theory going around that Herbert just throws the ball too hard, which, you know, interesting theory, I guess. But anyway, I didn't think the pass defense was great in this one in terms of coverage. Obviously, it's hard to expect too much, but that was my big negative in this one. And then the other I had was just quarterback running. They let Herbert kind of run all over them. Season high in rushing yards for Herbert at 73 yards. His previous tie was only 27 yards. Season high yards per carry as well at 9.1. Previous high was only 5.7. And some pretty big high leverage moments where Herbert was able to run and keep plays alive. There was a second and 16 where he ran for 11 yards to make a third and five that they then converted. Uh, There was a 28 yard scramble on third and seven. And then he ran for two more first downs throughout the game as well. So not just kind of nothing scrambles, like scrambles that had big effects on the game. And this had kind of not bitten the Packers yet so far this year. But last year and the year before, they were really bad at defending well, quarterback. Well, they runs. had trouble against the Falcons. That's true. Yes, Ritter did and, give them And, pro- and just like this game, before the game, we talked about how, well, this quarterback doesn't run that much. Yeah. So we shouldn't have to worry about it too much. And then they run all over us. And also- We got to stop saying that before the game. And also just, that's that's what's making me think of this. It's just last week, Kenny Pickett ran for a key first down right at the end of uh, the fourth quarter to kind of burn a little more clock off the end and leave the Packers, you know, not enough time to score again. But yeah, so definitely something yeah. to think about there is is that they got to, at some point, right, find a way to stop quarterbacks running on them. I don't, I don't really know what you do because it is a bit of a problem in terms of like, pick your poison. Everyone's like, oh, we hate zone. Like, we want them to play man. Well, when you play a lot of man, a lot of players have yeah. their backs turned to the quarterback and the quarterback's going to have places to well, run. The, the other so. thing I felt like what's happening is here is we totally lost containment in the center everybody's rushing wide and then he has just a wide open lane to rush straight up the field and some of it was players not finishing plays like Wyatt had him one-on-one in space oh and and just just got juked him did he even did he even make contact nope maybe a hand he maybe got a hand on him but yeah just ran right around him and so it's it's just got to finish plays there dad what did you have as negatives for the defense so yeah, so I, I mentioned just the, the the pass catchers were getting open downfield. I mean, there was there were open players like the Parham drop; he was wide, wide open. Um, Allen and the twice his drops were easy catches open, um, and they converted several wide open plays. Um, and then rearing its ugly head again, bad tackling. So they had twelve missed tackles this week. It's their third worst PFF tackling grade of the year. You know, and, and the uh, the one that got me the most was like. Is it just even a bad tackle? The uh, the really bad angle slash tackle attempt by by Owens on the touchdown by by Smart. Yeah, yeah. That was like, how was did he get good. all the way to the end zone off of this play? It's like one thing to not be there in coverage, and then just to let him just waltz, waltz, samba. He did he was doing the mambo down to the end zone. Like it was, it was yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, I don't know how. I don't know. They how. kind of gift. I felt like they gifted. 
to have a touchdown in, in, in that particular play so that it was just too easy to get all the way to the end zone with that missed tackle. Didn't make him work for it. Yeah. Uh, any other negatives you want to add? Because I, I 100% agree. The tackling was bad again in this one. It was bad last week. Maybe it'll be good on Thursday. I, I We can only hope. We can only cross our fingers and hope in that one. Uh, for me, though, Dad, I did have a few positives on defense if you were out of your negatives, and I can go ahead and go over them now. Uh, and the first was that the red zone defense was quite good. We talked pregame that the Chargers had the second best touchdown percentage in the red zone in the league. Uh, across four red zone trips, though, the Packers gave up just one touchdown. Uh, Packers now have the seventh lowest allowed red zone touchdown percentage in the league. Uh, one and, of the- and in one of those, they gave up no points. Yes. Well, okay. That's, I was about to say, a lot of it was the Chargers just deciding not to score. Uh, fumbling at the five. Thank you. Although, but wasn't, but wasn't that, wasn't that punched out? Yeah. Preston Smith forced it out. I mean, it was kind of, but also like. Eckler gets it, slips and falls down, gets back up and starts trying to run again. And you know how players tend to that, fumble. That when play kind of went, uh, you know, f- started falling apart as soon as he fell and had to get back up. Exactly. And then, you know, Keenan Allen drops an easy touchdown. Keenan Allen drops what would have been uh, first down on the right sideline. But still, holding a team that had been elite at scoring touchdowns to one of four is excellent. Uh, beyond that, uh, get, able to get uh, pressure on Justin Herbert in this one. I know we talked about he was able to scramble out of that pressure a lot, but they still got pressure. They were still winning up front. 21 total pressures for the Packers is the most they've had since week two. That's per PFF. Uh, six pressures for Kenny, five pressures for Preston, and four other players with two pressures each. Great day great day at the office for those guys up front, uh, except for just not quite getting home. And then the last one I had was Carrington Valentine just continued promising performances. The Packers really might have a starting outside corner on their hands that they got in the seventh round. Three catches on eight targets today for just 22 yards, according to PFF. Uh, Interestingly, PFF had him with no pass breakups, while ESPN had him with three passes defensed. I'm going to choose to go with that three number, because, you know, why not? Uh, And then according to Zach Jacobson on Twitter, uh, who is in turn citing PFF, uh, when he was guarding Keenan Allen, just four targets for one catch and six yards with two drops. But, you know, four targets, one catch, six yards is very good coverage, especially on a top receiver in the league who otherwise completely torched the Packers on the day. Uh, and this is also per Zach Jacobson on Twitter. Since trading Rasul Douglas, uh, Carrington Valentine in those games, 18 targets, just five receptions, 64 yards, and a 60.4 passer rating when targeted. He's a good player. He is a good yeah, outside so cover corner. Big. And teams have been doing exactly what you do. Oh, the new guy. There's a, there's a rookie in. It's a new guy. Let's 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 see if we can torch him. And Fresh, freshman, <laughs> give me a buck. <laughs> give me a buck. And the teams have frequently had success against the Packers in these situations, and I feel like the Packers have not done this enough. But Carrington uh, Valentine has held up when he's yeah. been getting targeted. As he's a, as he's a more than held up. I mean, cover. yeah, he's had after struggling in that Broncos game. I would say outside of that game with Cortland Sutton, with Cortland Sutton, Sutton and, and Jerry, Judy. Jerry Judy, he has played out of his mind besides that. I mean, he really shut down Puka Nakua. We talked last week about how Deontay Johnson and George Pickens like combined for like five catches on like nine targets. And I know he had that pass interference in the Pittsburgh game that kind of moved Pittsburgh down the field at one point. But again, in this game, just, I mean, it's not normal. This is not normal for a seventh round rookie to be playing this good at corner. This is one of those, this is a position where you take a guy in the first round and you're like, oh, it doesn't really matter how he looks this year because corner is the hardest position to learn. He's, he's not ready. Yeah. He's not. It's okay if don't, he doesn't look good Don't judge him too year. early. Exactly. And Carrington Valentine, like if a first round rookie was playing this well, I'd be like, wow, that's really exciting. Like think about what he could do in year two. I mean, man, it's it's, it's very exciting. And he's got the he's got the this, attitude of an outside okay. corner too. He talks is, a lot. Is this Gutekunst's best draft class, oh, or at man. least it's performance as rookies? Performance as rookies? Because we can't tell how good they're going to be in the long run. But in terms of rookie performance of a draft draft class, this might be the best. Well, it's this year or last year. Last year when you had Tom, Dobbs, uh, Enigbare, Christian Watson. And, and Watson. Like, right. So he's might... really hit two good drafts in a row. Yes. And it does hurt maybe. Like, we'll see what Walker and Wyatt end up being. I don't think we really know yet. I think they're still... 
there's still like I, I yeah, think there's the still two higher... first rounders. We'll see if they're drafted yeah. as high and, as they and should they've have been, been. And they've been, I think, good. But I just think maybe the expectations were even a little higher than how they've played so far. But there's still plenty of time for them to reach those expectations. But you're right, two back to back, quite good draft classes, especially also Rashid Walker in last year's class too, who's now both their starting tackles were day three picks from two years ago. Isn't that crazy to yeah. think about? But yeah, I, I would say definitely so far, early returns on the last two draft ca- classes from Gutekunst have been quite good, which may be making up for some you know sins of the past and some other draft classes, but we don't need to talk about those right now. Uh, Dad, positives from the defense. I've kind of been rambling for a little bit. Yeah, so I really just mostly, besides shouting out the Wisconsin Sun, helping defend the uh, Chargers receivers, Give a shout out to uh, Kenny Clark, who who led the defense in PFF grade with an elite 89.8, even though he did have a missed tackle. His, the rest of his game was so good. So you mentioned he had the six total pressures. And he also came through in critical situations of the game. He had a part of the pressure that led to the sack that ended the Chargers' second to last drive and forced them to punt. He, he gets pressure through the um, lineman trying to block him, pushes Herbert back so that then Gary sacks him. And then he bats down the pass that ends the basically ends the game. Yep, um, game winning pass breakup. that thing so so far back that Herbert can't even catch it to to try to run with it. How would you yep. like that if if the if the pass is swatted, it goes back to him, and then he manages to scramble around and get the first down afterwards? It would have been very. That's what I was brand. waiting for when I yeah. saw that ball going back to him. It, it was like been I was like, brand. thank thank goodness that ball hit the ground, so he can't pick it up and run with it. I mean, if if he had, I would have just been like, you know. That's fair is fair is what I would say. With all the drops the Chargers had throughout this game, I'd be like, you know, <laughs> he I had think to do that it is, himself. I think he that is fair. He had to throw a pass to himself at the first down. Oh, man. Oh, man. Honestly. And, I, then, and yeah. then, I, then I would give, even though you know, some of it was helped by like the, the, the drop by Quentin Johnston, that ugh, I should have mentioned that as a, a bad thing, where it's just like the uh, defensive back slows up and, and gives him like a free late. But... They did come through with two stops after the Packers' last score to end the game. Yeah. With this, uh, getting the sack on third down. Stops. To force stops the punts. in quotes. Stops. Because really, that Quentin Johnson bomb should have been completed because Carrington Valentine kind of turns him loose. He, I, yeah, he I slows don't know, he up just, on it. He just doesn't he eases think up. the ball's coming and or then something. I don't know what the story is. Well, he's expecting I think help. He eases or up. I think he eases up because Quentin Johnson eases up. And Quentin Johnson eases up because I guess he doesn't think he's getting the ball. And thank goodness he does. And because... then the ball's like bobbling around for a couple of seconds before it actually hits the ground. But they get the, get the sack on third down. They get the um, batted ball on fourth down. Yeah. So they made plays They made, down they the made plays on critical downs. That's definitely down a stretch. Yeah. So you might true. say they got a little help on the earlier downs, but on the critical downs, they made plays. I do think it is funny that Matt LaFleur is complimenting Joe Barry on being aggressive at the end and playing single high safety. And that single high safety got, they, they got absolutely burned in that look with Quentin Johnson streaking down the sideline for what could have been either the go ahead touchdown or the game time field goal. Game winning. And, yeah. and, and that play is just like the fact that the coverage allowed that to happen just is deleted from Malafleur's brain memory because already. he didn't catch it. So it doesn't matter. But anyway, it's, I digress. In his brain, he's like, Oh, Joe Barry did a great job to make hey, him drop that pass. Two straight stops. He deserves all the credit. Yeah, man. But anyway, Dad, should we transition into special teams or anything else about the defense that made you think? Oh, this is one um, actually I had. Uh, I had something that made me think on defense. Oh, I had something that made me think too, but go ahead. you go with yours first. Okay, the one that made me think was, you know, I felt watching this game, the run defense was horrible again. Um, they allowed 150 yards on 24 carries, which is just over five yards a carry it feels really bad uh oddly enough the advanced stats uh felt the packers had a really good day defending the run um they had the fifth lowest success rate allowed in week 11 and just to remind people success rate is 40 percent of the yards needed to be gained on first down 60 percent of the yards needed to be gained on second down and 100 percent of the yards to be gained on third and fourth down so really good success rate allowed on defense and then also had the the lowest run rush epa allowed in week 11 uh, a big part of that is that fumble force at the goal line is a huge swing in expected points. So that'll definitely yeah. help. Could, certainly couldn't hurt. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I the the box score numbers are like, wow, the Packers really struggled to defend yeah, but, the run. But but more they, discuss, they struggled to defend the run of the quarterback. 
Yeah, but that's included in in rush expected points yeah. added and rush success. But in terms of like standard ru- standard rush play as opposed to scrambles, I felt like they did a pretty good job. They let Eckler get what break free wide one time on a third and short, but they did it otherwise a decent job on the See, standard rush plays. I felt watching it that they didn't, but the advanced stats will will agree with you. I the think advanced it, stats agree with you that they they I, defended. I the think run one well. thing that happened is as the game went on. I think they started doing a better job on standard rush plays. Mm-hmm. Well, and I actually, I don't want to say advanced stats because advanced stats, I feel like always sounds dismissive when people say it. the stats, the actual stats, the numbers say that you are right, that they defended the run well. And it's true that they defended the run better as the game went on, specifically in the fourth quarter. But I looked like I was like, I wonder if it's just that one big play that they had that really affected the EPA. And so I looked only at quarters one to three and they were still like a good run defense quarters. One to three is still like a negative okay. EPA. Wasn't, yeah. It'd be a shift. Like their, their EPA grade was like 75% that one play or I mean, something that's like a, that. So that is, is what you're checking for of a game. Like it really is. Yeah. But either way, yeah, that's, se- that's seven points off the board. Exactly. I think and, anyway. Yeah, probably. Let's, let's be honest here. Uh, but hey, maybe not. The Packers' red zone defense has been really good this year, so maybe not. But anyway, that was the thing that made me think is I just, my, in my research for this game, my initial thoughts on how the run defense played was, you know, pivoted over by looking more at the actual numbers and the actual success that the Chargers were having on the ground, not just how it felt like they were moving the ball on the ground against us. Dad, what did you think in this one? So things I'm going to say, and what I'm thinking about, is Brooks the second best defensive lineman on the team right now? He was, in terms of rookies, he's way ahead of Wooden in snaps now. This week was 25 to 5. And over the last three games, it's 62 snaps to 30. He had the second best defensive grade on the whole team. So not just defensive lineman behind Kenny Clark this week. And last week, amongst the defensive linemen, that group, he had the second best grade behind, behind Kenny I, so is he is he the second best defensive lineman on the team now ahead of Slayton ahead of Wyatt? I hadn't ahead of really Wooden? I hadn't really thought about it, but now that you're bringing it up, I'm going to be watching him even more closely because I did think he looked good again in this game, and Wyatt's kind of slowed he's down had, a little he's bit. Makes, he's making plays almost every week. Yeah, and Wyatt's not playing poorly, but you know Brooks is playing quite well. I I think I would still have Brooks closer to like third, third, fourth, but pro- probably closer to third now because it's not like Slayton's been doing a whole lot up front. But definitely something to keep in mind that because he's he's coming for that number two spot and we'll see how if the snap counts reflect that going forward. I think they still like Wyatt more in terms of like he, he's not caught up to but, Wyatt yeah. Wyatt in, in terms of snaps, but he is based starting to leave Wooden behind. Yeah, uh, I pretty I seriously. didn't see Wooden out there hardly at all in this game. I think he had five snaps. Yeah, that's what you game. said. Uh, but anyway, Dad, let's move on to special teams and start wrapping this thing up. Interesting piece of note is with you know with Dallin Levitt being released uh does that do you think that had anything to do with the double penalty to start the game man was LaFleur pissed Matt LaFleur was really pissed really he he wanted to chase him out of the stadium right then and there yeah and this is a guy who Dallin Levitt I've always had some qualms with because like you're only here for special teams and you lead the league in special teams penalties and all you're here to do is play special teams and for him to get a holding and then an unsportsmanlike conduct then like interaction with, interaction with an official it's like dude know your role on the team like you like know your role but anyway now he's out the door it was so egregious that he managed to commit 2001 play that both counted yes and Instead and the of special, just one of them and the special teams uh still bad uh, still costing them, almost costing them games, almost cost them this game. It did cost them the Pittsburgh game in a lot of ways. Uh, Dad, you had more on this, but the, the interesting thing I had was just that I think Zane Anderson is probably going to be taking a lot of Dolan Levitt snaps because Anderson, I think, has three tackles on special teams since, you know, getting a more cemented role there, uh, which is pretty good. He had a nice tackle on punt coverage today, or in this game, I should say. Um, but Dad, special teams, what'd you think? Yeah, I actually felt watching the game because there's a lot of talk about how good the Chargers return game was. And I thought their punt coverage was pretty good. Um, the Chargers are, were coming in, or actually, I think even after this game, they're second in the league now in punt return average at 15.7. And Green Bay only gave up one return for six yards. So that's pretty good. Now they Carlson had a bit of a rough game, or the kick operation had a bit of a rough yeah, game. So he had a missed, P, the, missed PAT, which we're like, that's going to come and bite us again. The missed PAT, I think, I don't know how he missed it. The angle is weird. It's like... It's like, how did 
I was like, that didn't go in. I was like, I was stunned actually like, that it didn't it, go in. I was like, I but watch this like. It doesn't look like it's going that wide, right? right? Then it like just slips outside it's, of the upright. I don't know. It just phases. And then the 52-yarder, the snap is horrible. It's really bad. It's on uh, Whelan's right hip. He has to bring it all the way around. And I don't think like I don't think Carlson sees the football until he's already mid-swing, which I can't imagine how hard it is swinging at a target and just being like, it's going to be there. I I don't see it, but I'm, it's <laughs> going like, to be there. Tear a ligament if it's not there. Like you're like I, Charlie, you're gonna get Charlie Brown and I, like go fly to the air, land it flat on your back. And it's a bit of hyperbole, but I just thought the ball got to that spot so late yeah. because the snap and, was so off target. It was so bad. The whole that, operation was that bad. one leaves his foot from the beginning very weirdly. When yeah. it first when he first first impacts, like oh man, what's going on with that kick? It's low. It's weak. It's right. Yeah. I, I think there's more about the operation than it is about Carlson. And, you know, he made an extra point to end the game. I always feel like if a kicker goes out on a make, it's like, all right, we're getting ready for next week. We're on <laughs> to like, the I can't leave this court until I make this make exactly. one last layup. Yeah, we're I can't on to leave on a missed shot. Exactly. I'm going to keep, keep kicking until, we get, until I get a make. Yeah, and so I, I'm not really worried about a missed 50-plus yard. I'm a little more. I'm a little worried about the, the extra point, but it was harder to see how the operation looked on that one because the angle was from behind the goalposts as opposed to behind the kicker. Um, but dad, yeah, I, I didn't really have anything else for the special teams in this one. Uh, Whelan had a pretty good punt. Um, it was, I, besides that, it was a pretty nondescript day from pretty much everyone else involved. Uh, should we move on to player of the game, dad? Who did you have in this one? So this time I went with Jordan Love. Jordan, Jordan Love. I snubbed him last week. Um, he had another good week, including getting, you know, a, a game winning drive, go ahead, touchdown in the fourth quarter with less than three minutes to go. Um, I thought he was making some really nice throws on the move. I'm rolling left and throwing right and making some downfield throws for, for touchdowns. Yeah. I thought Great I, game. I had a really, really nice game. I would say back to back, like games where I was like, that's the best game Jordan Love has played. Just said that last week. He's like, that's the best game Jordan Love has yeah. played. Say it this week. And that's, you love to so see it. He's trending up. Hopefully. Hopefully. For me, player of the game was Jaden Reed. Like I said earlier, I teased it. Three carries for 46 yards and a touchdown. Four catches for 46 yards. Led the team in rushing, led the team in overall all uh all purpose yards. Just another great game from him. Back to back great games. Uh they look like yes. they really found something with him. He's he's yeah. quick. And all my Maybe the Packers were right with that four three seven they were spouting. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say I was like, I'm sure you timed it. We like were a very skeptical yeah. of that. Well, they've done this before. They did they this with claiming. Jay Sternberger. They've done this with like a number of players where like we haven't timed like a full tenth of a second faster. It's like, okay. Whose clocks are you using? You might need to reset those. Anyway, they had they but, had I think they had Wicks uh, uh decent, he, significantly faster. He than looked significantly faster speed. than his time too. So maybe they were maybe they got the clocks finally got them right in this one. But yeah, Jaden Reed just da- so dynamic, so dynamic with the ball in his hands. He's such a fun player to watch. The Packers haven't had like like a twitchy a twitched up player like this. I feel like since like prime Randall Cobb. I mean, they wanted Amari to be this. Amari did not have this kind of movement skills at all. No. No, not at all. Yeah, that- so we've got a guy who can be a legitimate a threat um, with the ball in his hands. And and from the slot with the ball in his hands, run after catch. Doesn't need to catch it on the tackles. move. Uh, like like Watson, I, I wanted to, to couch the way I was phrasing it like specifically because Watson's obviously super exciting with the ball in his hands. But it's different when you have a player who can just catch it at a standstill and create as opposed to a player like, is it, it's still exciting to have a player like Watson where it's like at any point, if he catches the ball on the move, he could just take it the whole way. You do but, want to get him when he's already moving, really. Yeah, because he's not super like fast. Like some of those like, crossers where he, or or even like the jet sweeps and things, you hand to him, it goes around the end, or you get him while he's running across the field, and yeah. then he can beat beat the defender to the side, to the to the edge and go go the distance. Yeah, and just to like tack on one more thing for Watson, like I felt like in this game, they used him as a complimentary piece, which worked better i think as opposed to trying to force him the ball which i think they had done a they, way too much of to start the season this season they've been like we've got to get him involved we've got to get him involved and it's like no you got to make the right plays yeah and 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 it it had been kind of playing out how you would expect it to but anyway this has been father's Packers podcast dad anything else you want to add on before we call it because we are getting a little long on time i think i think we've covered it yeah Another very solid game from Jordan Love, stacking success. A great game from yep. the rookie fun pass game. catchers. A fun, great, I mean, 
a fun game for people who were excited about this like young Packers team and the potential that they had because I think a lot of players on both sides of the ball showed that showed not just potential but like hey they're starting to turn some of that potential into actual tangible skill on the field which is all we really asked for coming into this season as Packers fans if you like what you heard here today come give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer we tweet out when we have new episodes articles we find interesting etc etc Come subscribe to us on your podcast podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. If you subscribe to us there, we would really appreciate it. Thank you again for listening. We'll be doing a preview for the Thanksgiving game later this week. Hopefully, when, we'll have it out Wednesday night, so you can listen to it Thursday morning before the game starts, uh, before ever, all the family gets there and everything is hectic, or have it on in the kitchen while you're cooking. You never know. But anyway, thanks so much for listening. And until next time, Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.